Welcome back to Money O2. This week, we are joined by Tina Black. And Tina's episode is really refreshing because she's different than I think some of the other guests that we've had on this episode, right? This podcast is, of course, about money and finance and really talking about, you know, what I like to do. And, you know, when I prep guests is I want the nitty gritty, right? I want a financial transformation. And I really want to highlight those to take the fear of talking about numbers and sharing that. So, you know, we can all be inspired and recognize that everyone has, you know, the same struggles in many cases. But this episode is really interesting because we're joined by a leader and a businesswoman that really doesn't, I don't want to say she doesn't think about money, uh, because of course you have to, you don't get to nine different businesses, which by the way, Tina has nine different schools. They're all cosmetology schools and four different salon businesses. So she's got a total of nine different locations. And simply put, you just don't get to that point with not paying attention to numbers or paying attention to money. But she's really, really focused on the giving element. It's much more purpose over money for her. It's giving over receiving. It's people over profit. And, you know, she talks about a story where she shifted from focusing on an income plan to a giving plan. And because that's really what gets her jazzed and gets her going to work every day and doing what she does. And, and really, you know, it's something that I've seen, you know, with people that I work with, you know, our CEO, Tom, and, you know, he's also my father and the owner of our companies, but it really is purpose over everything for, for some leaders that I've seen. And Tina is definitely one of those leaders. And so she talks about that. She had a huge fear around money or a huge, I don't even think it was a fear for her. It was much more around just maybe a disinterest in in numbers. So she really found a plan that worked for her, which is leveraging her accountant, putting it into Tina language, so to speak, and really don't not doing deep, deep dives in the numbers, but getting kind of the key headlines so she could continue to do what she does. And it's a really beautiful episode that I think really encourages all of us to maybe examine our motives, examine our mindset, and maybe reframe them to something that can be maybe more productive and help us all get instilled with a deeper sense of purpose and how money can be a resource, but as Tina says, not the source. So it's a really beautiful episode and I hope you enjoy this episode with Tina Black. From day one, from being in the cosmetology school, that that was what I was purposed to do. Yeah, I, I would have to say money is a resource, but it's not my source. When said to us, you've got to know your numbers to grow your numbers. Welcome back to Money O2. I'm really excited to introduce today's guest who has been a long time coming and we finally got it on the books today. So we're super excited to have Tina Black. And Tina Black is an amazing business owner. She's got five Paul Mitchell schools and four salons. And she also is a leadership coach consultant. And she also has a program that actually helps businesses bring on partners, which she's done pretty well in almost all of her businesses, mostly, mostly her salons, I think, but really you've got partners in all of your businesses, correct, Tina? I do. Amazing. So today we're going to talk about Tina's money story and really with the lens around money and finance from a business owner standpoint. And somehow Tina has been able to grow her her portfolio to nine businesses or nine locations with a self-admitted fear of numbers. So Tina, let's start right there and tell me a little bit about your journey with money and finance and kind of 
how fear turned to greater confidence, but also confidence in a way that worked for you. Yeah, my fear turned into educating myself, but also just being more confident in sharing what I don't know with people, especially when it came to hiring the right people in my life, so to speak, that were better at this than me. And Mm -hmm. luckily, my husband is so much better with numbers than I am. So I I definitely partnered with the right man for sure. We've been married 37 years and, and then bringing on CPAs to put it in our language to really understand exactly what we need and what we're looking for. And so I had the courage, I should say, to ask for help. Mm. And that's really it. And I I always tell people, my students in particular, and my staff, if you want to be successful, there's just one word, just ask, (laughs) A-S-K. Yeah. Well, tell me about your background and how you decided to become a business owner. What was your background prior to that? And when did you start the journey of business ownership? Yeah, so my background, as far back as I I, um, could go here, I was just thinking about this because my parents, when I think about them, when it comes to my money story, I think about all they ever thought about was giving. And Mm. so my whole life has always been about it's better to give than receive. And so I never really thought about that I needed to make more money. I was just grateful that I had money to give away. And so all I could think about the minute that I would make money, who can I give it to? Who could I help? Who can I, you know, have on my team? And so I started thinking about that because with that gratitude and and the generosity that has always been a part of my life just growing up and then be you know becoming a child of God later I realized like wow okay I'm on the right track here <laughs> and so it's interesting because I became a dental hygienist and I did that for about 14 years and I loved every minute of it but Aaron the problem was is I did it for the money I really wasn't doing it for the love of it, but I was able to actually learn a lot of lessons along the way. And that was how to really be a great follower of leaders and businesses, whether they were good, bad, or ugly, that I could actually learn from those leaders. And then later, I had this incredible opportunity because of my husband believing in me and seeing something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he said, hey, I think we should buy this cosmetology school. I think it'll be a ministry for you. And quite frankly, Aaron, when she, when he said ministry, that's all I needed. Something that I could just give. Because I felt in dentistry, I liked it, but it, it wasn't like that God idea, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And so I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something that got me up in the morning and excited. And so as soon as he said that, I thought, okay. I'm going to do this. And so I went into the cosmetology industry just with the whole idea of I was going to be able to give of my time, energy, and money to students, to staff members, to the community. And that's exactly what's happened. And who would have thought that later I'd become, you know, a Paul Mitchell school owner franchise years later and you know, doing what I'm doing now. I never, you, if you would have said to me, Tina, this is what you're going to do someday. I'd say you're crazy. That's really interesting. So your journey into becoming a business owner in the beauty and wellness sector was really, you know, probably there was partial from your husband's standpoint was probably, Hey, this is an investment, right? You know, he is an attorney, right? So he probably looked yep. at it from that element, but really for you and that, and that greater purpose and meaning was around service. It sounds like, and serving 
the students that came into your school? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I really didn't even know what a cosmetologist did at the time, you know, which is funny. And so when I went in there and I started to study, you know, what they were doing, I and I started realizing that a lot of the students and even still today are the types of people that counselors in high schools kind of push and shun. And uh, and so what makes me sad about that is it's like the shunned people that they don't think they're going to ever be successful. So it's like, oh, you should go into cosmetology. And that made me really sad. That was 25 years ago. I remember Aaron and I thought, wait a minute, cosmetologists are doing some incredible work and they are so talented. They change people's lives. I know they had me all my life. Right. And so I thought, you know what, I want to help professionalize this industry. And this is even before I became a Paul Mitchell school owner. And in my head, I thought I want to help them put their head up and to be able to say, I am a hairdresser and I'm proud to be a hairdresser. And so from that day forward, that's what I did. I really worked hard to help professionalize the beauty industry. I mean, I literally bought a cosmetology school, Aaron, you're going to crack up that had people smoking in it. Okay. So this is back when you were allowed to smoke inside a building. And I remember the current owners that we bought the cosmetology school from, and they said, good luck trying to get the cigarettes out of here. And from day one, we did, we got the cigarettes out of there. So we started with that. And we had high school students at the time, we had a vocational tech program within our cosmetology school. And so we would literally have fights out back, like bloody fights with these high school students that I would have to go in the back and break up. This is how bad it was when I took over the school. And I knew I had my work cut out for me, but I was willing to do that. And I just wanted people to understand how valuable they were. And so I went to work and then a few years later had the opportunity to become a Paul Mitchell franchise, which completely changed my life completely changed my family's life, completely changed the cosmetology school life because they had the same vision of professionalizing the beauty industry. So I knew that was a great fit and a great partnership for me. That's that's so beautiful, Tina. And when I think about that, did you ever have a moment where you're like, what did I just do? Did you ever have that moment? <laughs> Not really, because I knew from day one from being in the cosmetology school, that that was what I was purposed to do. Mm. And it's interesting because who would have thought, cause I, you know, here, I didn't even know what I was purposed to do. Right. And so being almost 60 years old now, I know it's my purpose. And I've had people constantly say to me, Aaron, why don't you retire? Why don't you sell your school family member? Sell your schools. What are you doing? You know, all these legislative threats that you have. Why are you still taking a risk? Why are you opening more cosmetology schools? And in my head, I'm thinking because this is my part of my purpose, right? So it's not like my identity, but it's part of my purpose to speak into the lives of people that I feel still to this day have been shunned by society. Now, of course, we have attracted a different sector of our culture. And we have many people that come through our four walls that have a bachelor's degree already and said, this is what I've always wanted to do my whole life. But my parents wouldn't let me because they said I had to go to college. And so they did. They fulfilled that duty miserably and said, this is what I really want to do. 
And so, no, I, I can't say I do because the only challenges I have is people coming against me that are like, you should get out of this. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't, this is, this is what I'm purposed to do. <laughs> I'm going to, I'll be like that captain that goes down with a ship, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask you another question on that, because I see something and I I've seen this in many people that I've worked with, you know, I I am a bit younger, right? You know, younger than a lot of the leaders that I look up to. And so sometimes when I listen to people like you, and you remind me of my father in this sense too, where it's like, there is such a deep sense of purpose in what you do, that no matter what obstacle, no matter if the obstacle is financial, in your case, you know, we could do a whole episode on the legislative threats that you deal with every single day in your, in your line of work and how challenging that can, that can be. But I've found the most successful entrepreneurs is it really is this deep sense of purpose that there is like nothing that could get in your way that would be too challenging. Do you find that in, in those that you've leaders that you've looked up to or, or peers that you've surrounded yourself with? It's that kind of undeniable sense of purpose. Yeah. You know, and that's, why I think it was a perfect partnership partnering with Wynn Claybaugh and John Pondajoria because that's exactly who they are. And then becoming later, I became a John Maxwell leadership coach and that's exactly who he is and all of the the trainers and his company, that's exactly who they are. And I like to call myself and them people that I, you know, call my power circle is possibilists, right? Mm-hmm. Not optimist, but possibilist. It's like, okay, cool. So we see the reality here, but this is what's possible. And this is the hope that we have that we can move towards. So I know this is supposed to be the industry that I'm supposed to be in uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. However, I do know that there are uh, certain times that it's going to happen that I may have to shift what my goal is or what my dream is. And it may look something different. And really in the past few years, it has been looking a little bit different. And, but I, I love change. You know, the good Lord gave me the gift of loving change. Now, most of my staff and my husband do not like change, by the way, I don't think Mm. any of my family does, but I do. And I think it's a gift that I have that I'm able to help to inspire the people that are around me and the people in my inner circle that help me run my companies to be able to help them see something differently that maybe they didn't see before of what's possible. Let me ask you this question, because not everyone, I think it's actually more rare that people have this deep, deep seated sense of purpose. What if someone, you know, whether they're you know, a current student, whether they're, you know, someone working within an existing business or they're a business owner, or maybe they're looking to make a change. What if they haven't found or haven't made the connection to that deep sense of purpose? What would you tell them? I think there's probably a deep sense of purpose somewhere in there. You know, I do coach a lot of business owners and I love to be able to really dig deep into their personality styles and also what their gifts and talents are. And I I use a lot of resources. I'm a DISC, D-I-S-C, personality coach and consultant. And then I also love the book Strength Finder 2.0 because it helps you to kind of borrow that belief within yourself. So deep inside, I think I can help them find their why, why they actually got into this business. Because 
I don't believe any sustainability is going to happen in any business sector, so to speak, or anything that you're doing, unless you have a powerful why deep inside of you. And my, you know, my example is being in dentistry. The why was not big enough, although it was pretty big. If you were to ask me, why did you go into that? I would tell you because orthodontics changed my life because I was you know, nicknamed Bucky Beaver my whole life. And so I had braces for four years and they changed my looks and my smile. I was able, actually finally able to smile. If you were to ask my parents, they would say, yeah, she didn't smile very much. Right. Mm. And so that transformed my life. So I thought, Aaron, I thought, well, I'm supposed to go into this dentistry because they changed my life. So that was a pretty powerful why, right? But Moving fa- fast forward, um, I also realized that I was also bullied. And so I feel that many people in this industry have been bullied or have been traumatized past in their life. And I'm like, this is a more powerful why of why I need to shift my, you know, my focus and go into this beauty industry. And so I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was a ministry for me. And I think, I really believe that if you want any sustainability, you've got to tap into that reason why you're in it in the first place. And as soon as you lose it, you got to get back into it. And I think one of the best ways to refine it, Aaron, is to talk about it and to tell your story on podcasts like this, or I meet every brand new class that comes into my school. I do a lot of speaking and training and I tell my story and that rejuvenates me. I love brand new students in this industry, Aaron. They're my favorite because they're just so excited and passionate and they love to hear your story. <laughs> and so being able to tell that again and then graduation ceremonies, telling my story. So just keep going back and tell your story, tap back into it because then you won't tap out. So let me kind of take a step back a little bit around, you know, when you talked about your story with money and really how, you know, you explained earlier before we started recording about how you really, once you became a business owner, you really had to understand the numbers element. And so you've got your husband who's perhaps more financially focused and you're really kind of, it seems like the visionary leader. So how did you merge that together and start to gain greater confidence around money? Yeah, I remember um, we would be sitting in classes and know your numbers, it was called back then. And I was like, oh man, I do not want to go to this class, <laughs> right? Knowing my numbers, because that doesn't get me excited. That definitely doesn't get me, you know, up in bed, out of bed in the morning. But I was able to kind of creativity, uh, put color to it and literally color. Like I would tell um, my staff members that work for me, Sean Chido is one of them who's now our business partner. And I would say, can you please make a graph for me, a colorful graph to show me where we're at in our numbers? And so that got me a little bit more excited about looking at them. <laughs> and then I would sit down with our CPA, my husband and I, and say, you know, I need this in Tina language. And literally my team knows, my CPA knows, it better be two sentences. If it's any longer than that, I'm already checked out. Right. So I I must have ADD. I don't know what I have, but (laughs) I can't stand long emails. And so just explaining and getting down to the nitty gritty and and literally Aaron and I train business owners on this as well, too. And I'll ask them, I'll say, what is your net operating 
income percentage. And so just looking at that, just let, let's look at the end goal, right? And so most business owners I've noticed don't have any clue what they're mm. where even they're at or where they want to be or where they could be. And so I'm working right now with my team members and a new company that we just hired so that we have it more digital and more uh, colorful <laughs> and in one space. And that is, okay, what's our actual what's our goal and what's our stretch goal? What I'm most interested in, of course, Aaron, as you could imagine being the visionary that I am is meeting that stretch goal. Okay, great. Here's the numbers. How are we going to do it? What are some, what's our small big, what's the smallest thing we can do to make the biggest impact. And so just literally like one step at a time with myself, with my team to be able to reach that stretch goal and it makes it a lot more fun. I'm very competitive. I played sports in, in high school. And so this all just adds up. It's like, okay, yes, I am creative just in my own way. Mm. You know what I hear a lot from you is a lot of humility and like zero ego. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> There's nothing to have any ego about for sure. <laughs> well, and I think that's what gets people in trouble is when you think you have to know it all. And it's like the feeling of, you know, I think people, especially business owners, they might, you know, a lot of business owners, I think that come to us, you know, there might be this shame around not knowing what those are and, you know, maybe have gotten, gotten this far without really focusing on the financials. And there's a lot of shame around it. And I think the second you kind of take away the shame, you can embark the possibility of change, right? Yeah. And I think for me, at one time, I remember thinking I needed to have all the answers as a leader even. And so I was, like you said, the shame and, and being embarrassed that I didn't really know the answers. And so that came from insecurity, which actually, by the way, ego, it did look like I had ego, right? And so when you have that, then you start to lead in an improper way from that insecurity. So gaining that confidence and and I'd have to say, you know, my transformation literally was in 2014 when I I uh, actually went to Guatemala with John Maxwell and a team of 150 John Maxwell coaches. And we had to train 25,000 leaders in Guatemala from police officers to teachers to what have you, right? People that lived in Guatemala that were on some sort of leadership level, right? And I remember the course that we taught. And by the end of that entire training, I was bawling. I was bawling not only because of the lives that we changed, but my life was changed. And I realized that I was living in that place of ego, which I call insecurity. Mm. And so I came back and I just let down all my defenses and I apologized. My team really needed my apology at that time. I apologized for not being the leader that I should have been for them. And I promised them from that day forward that I would, you know, I would get better. Now, am I where I want to be? No, Aaron, there's still so much, so much to grow to do. And, and speaking of numbers, I'm working on even more creative ways to build a bonus structure, bonus system in my companies, because I want to keep my team excited. I know it's my job at all times to help my team to reach their goals. And that's it, right? So just looking at, okay, what's your goal? Okay, great. I'm going to help you get there. And this is how we're going to do it. And that's what I get excited. That's what gets me out, out of bed in the morning. So we're on a finance podcast or a money podcast, right? But what's interesting to me is 
you know, there's really no talk of money with you, right? I mean, it's it's clearly not your motivator. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, and I think that was exactly, I think it's not a motivator for most people in this industry or maybe most people in general, because I do coach people outside of the beauty industry as well too. And I remember um, something that hit for me when we opened our salon business, and that was almost eight years ago now. And I remember I said, you know what? Our vision is always going to be people before profit. Hmm people before profit. Because when you put your people first, the money will come. And I'm telling you, I've lived that out from the moment I was a little girl. And my dad said, it's always better to give than receive. And so he just instilled that within us of who can you give? You have some money in your pocket, who are you going to give it to? Mm. And that's how I've lived out being a business owner as well too. So people before profit, but what is, in your own words, what does money mean to you? Is it is it truly that association of it's it's something you can give to help better others? Or what is like the meaning that you associate with money? Yeah, I, I would have to say money is a resource, but it's not my source. And so meaning I could lose everything I have today, but not be broken. And so I know God being my true source of identity. But it's like, great. Okay. So money's a resource. Let's hit those stretch goals. Come on, baby. Let's hit them. Because if we do that, we can give more to our staff. I know the more money my businesses make, guess who's gonna reap the benefits of that? The team, Mm -hmm. right? The team. I want to offer more benefits. We set up our entire strategy in our school and salon system so that we could have incredible benefits. So we could have an opportunity to take it to a whole nother level in partnerships as well. And so I always had it in my mind, Erin, that I was going to help people not to make just active income, but passive income, because that's exactly what, you know, Wynn and John Paul taught me to do is to work on passive income so that you can make money while you're sitting on the beach. And interesting enough, when you look at this industry, most people move towards the active income. And I really think it's just miseducation of not understanding that you can make passive income. And it's just shifting your mindset, shifting different strategies as well, too. Is there a big transformation around money that you can recall in your life? I would have to say the biggest transformation was when Wynn said to us, you've got to know your numbers to grow your numbers. And because I was stagnant at that time. And so we weren't growing and I, I couldn't understand why in that moment. But it was because I just didn't know, you know, mm. what I was trying to shoot for. And so as soon as I knew what it was. And then, like I said, getting creative and and asking for help, right? Now I can help people because I believe leadership means transformed people, transform people. And so one of my favorite things to do is to sit on calls with our salon team uh, members and in our seven minute target meetings, and Sean and I will sit in with them and go over their numbers. And I always see the light bulbs go on when they don't know their numbers versus when they do know their numbers, because now they're at at a power move to be able to make a shift, right? So when I was saying that small, big, 
you know, keeping it real easy, what's the smallest thing you can do to make your biggest impact to move these numbers to another level? And so it makes it easy for them. And then you just see this big smile on them. I'm we're talking, you know, these kids start with us between 18, 19 years old, partnering with us at 23 years old, and then watching their shifts of business ownership. And Aaron, it's just, it's such, such a blessing to be able to help these young people. I mean, I'm telling you in their early twenties, buying homes, right? With the income that they're making, but also teaching them not only how to make active income, but passive income as our partner, which Mm. is so exciting. I love it. So it sounds like for me, your real, you know, transformation around money was totally around both a combination of education as well as a mindset shift, right? The mindset shift being, I don't have to be an expert on money, but I have to at least know it. And I have to at least know what this means. And so when you think about one actionable insight, if someone's kind of maybe in your similar place, what was one actionable action, for lack of a better word, that you took to really change that? Bottom line is, instead of putting together an income plan, I've always put together a giving plan. And this is what I always train people to do. And I can always see people's faces like, oh, like their shoulders go down, like, okay, I don't have to worry about making more money. I just have to think about how much do I want to give? And then you figure it out from there. So let's just say my goal is to give $100,000 this year, okay, to different charities, churches, organizations, whatever that is, right? And so that's my goal. Well, now, okay, is that going to be 10% of what you make? Potentially. Okay, cool. So that means you need to make this. So let's break it down into smaller chunks and pieces all the way down per day of what you need to produce in order to hit that giving goal. Right. And to me, that's so much more exciting, Erin, because again, I was raised, it's better to give than receive. And I know if I have a giving plan, I get a lot more excited about that than I ever do about, okay, I need to produce this. And I, I notice everyone that I coach loves that too. And they get a little bit more excited <laughs> about hitting those numbers. I love it. There's so much wisdom in this, Tina. And I think it's, I totally agree. It's just way more exciting to think of that than, you know, increasing your profit by X. Yes, that's exciting. But what does that actually mean tactically? And I think for most most people, they would operate better from that perspective versus, you know, just increasing their numbers a little bit here and there, right? Yeah, I've watched way too often wealthy people never be satisfied. And in, in, when it's all just about money, or I've watched people even retire and be miserable, you know, and because mm. you need a purpose, right? You need a purpose in your life of something to do. And I remember it was actually a friend of my husband's, a childhood friend, and it was quite a few years ago now, but he was a trust fund child. And so he basically kind of retired at a very young age. And, and so, you know, it was like, it's like what you hear in our culture, like, I would love to have that life. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't. And Mm -hmm. so he literally like he was a kite boarder. He did, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. And when you and I looking, if we were to watch his social media, if he had one, because that wasn't around at that time much, right? And so you'd be like, wow, he's got a great life. Well, he ended up committing suicide. Mm. And, you know, I, I liken that back to he just didn't have a purpose. 
right? And, you know, when I, I look back in my own life, you know, when I was 16 years old, I actually wrote a suicide note to my family. So I de- identified somewhat to this young man. And because again, I didn't feel at that time at 16 years old that I had a purpose. And so it wasn't until a few years later, and thank God, yeah, I didn't carry that through a few years later that I started to form more of a purpose in my life. And so I think money is just an aspect of, it doesn't matter like if you have a lot of money or a little, like I never really thought I was broke. And I remember we were just eating Raymond noodles, my husband and I, and the best thing we could ever do was go to Big Boy or the Meyer salad bar at the time. But I never thought, Aaron, that I was broke. I never said, oh, poor me, I'm broke. I can only eat here. Like I live paycheck to paycheck. I never said that. I always just had so much gratitude for what I did have. And again, I think that goes back to growing up. It's better to give than receive. So it was never like, okay, how much more money can I make, right? I I was never that person that would go to my boss in dentistry and say, I need more money. I just proved to them that I needed more money. And then they would just give me raises, right? In my mind, if I look back, one of the best employees that most of the dentists that I worked for had because I put everything into it, but not to make more money, but just to give. And so that's just been how my whole life has been. I think this is such a great change of, it's a really nice change of pace to have someone like you on the podcast, right? It's not that we haven't had really purpose-driven, but really it's, it's taking everything away from the money component and it really is about giving. And I think that's such a good mindset shift for anyone listening to this, no matter where they're at in their life. And it just, it's just a total change in mindset for many people, I think. And it's, it's a really good reminder. And I'm just so grateful that we got to have you on Tina. Thank you. Thank you so much. So if people are looking to find you, tell us where we can find, cause I know we have a lot of students that listen to this podcast, as well as those that are maybe seeking employment. So tell us about where they can find your schools, your salons. And then also for those who are interested in coaching and things like that, where can they find you? Yeah, you could just go uh, tinablack.net and that'll take you to all my social media channels. It'll take you uh, to be able to email me to set up a coaching call as well to, you know, if I can help you or like today, I referred somebody to Cunity (laughs) because I knew you could better help them than I could. And so I think it's just really finding I'm more of a connector of what's the best fit for them, because I want to help them reach their highest goal as well to it and their highest purpose as well, too. So, yeah, TinaBlack.net. Tina, you also use Money EDU in your schools. Is there anything um, that you can tell me about that experience from your standpoint and, you know, why you choose to bring financial training to your students? Yeah, it really is everything. And I think uh, one of the biggest things that I've seen that really make me sad, Erin, is some of my team members living that paycheck to paycheck, so to speak, right? And when I look back and say, I never lived paycheck to paycheck because we never spent more money than we made. You know, we just, we always knew exactly what, how to live within our means. And we had so much gratitude for that. Right. And so I think the money to you just helped so much because 
it educates you and makes you realize it's not that hard, right? And you don't have to be so heavy laden with what you think you have to know when it comes to money. And I love the simplified process that you're giving our students and our team members so that they can grow through this because that is the number one reason I would say that most of our stylists in our salons and our team members in our schools that either quit or end up, you know, going into something completely different is because of their own money story, so to speak, their own traumas that they've experienced, right, in their life. And so that's why we love the money um, EDU, you know, program uh, that you guys have for our students. I think it starts right there at the school level. It's hard to get it into the whole curriculum because we have so many things that we have to teach our students. So getting creative with it and making sure that every single team member or student does not get left behind, but gets this incredible training that you've offered to us. Mm, I love it. Tina, thank you so, so much for joining us today. And I'm so excited, you know, to continue to build our relationship between our two companies and, you know, just our general relationship. I know you had such an amazing conversation with Tom on Lightbulb Moments, and I think we're going to be doing, doing more stuff together. So I'm really looking forward to it. I am too, Erin. I love you both. And you guys are just an incredible, incredible company and and how you guys are just really spending time giving. And that's why I'm so attracted to your company and want to be more a part of it. So thank you. Thank you so much, Tina. Well, I look forward to chatting soon and everyone will leave the show in the show notes where you can find more about Tina. So thank you so much, Tina. Thank you, Erin. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye now. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Tina Black. In the show notes, we'll leave her website that she mentioned, which is tinablack.net. And that's where you can find all of the resources from this episode. I hope you enjoyed this. And I hope this inspires you to examine your motives and really think about giving over receiving and how that can help you in your career, in your professional journey, in your financial journey. And if you are a business owner or leader, how you can kind of bring some of what Tina shared into your everyday life. So. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week on the next episode of Money O2.